are welcome to thrive. Amen? Right here at Thrive, our motto is grow, develop, succeed. Our, that's actually, that's what we do. Our motto is don't just survive, thrive. And then what we do is this. By doing this is we're growing a kingdom of God. We're developing our character. The way we succeed is we succeed by doing the things that God has called us to do in our lives. Amen? And we're honored to be here. We're honored to worship with you here. I'm glad we can all come together. I mean, it's amazing when believers come together. It truly is. And I'm going to tell you, if you expect something great to happen today, something great will happen today. Amen? Because you get what you expect. If you expect to have a bad day, you're going to have a bad day. When I get up in the morning, I expect to have a good day. And people all the time, every time I go places, why are you so happy? How come you're just always so excited? Because it's how I start my day. If you start it off right, you'll do right. Come on now. We've been talking about detoxing. And the series that we're doing is called Detox. And last week we talked about detoxing spiritually. And we had to get some things off. And the word detox, it's this. It's the removal of toxic substances from a living organism. And all of us have toxins. All of us are contaminated with something. And we need to be detoxing. And what we detox talked about last week is the spirit. Today we're going to talk about the soul, and next week we're going to talk about the body. And what we said last week is you're a triune being, just like God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, triune being. We're triune beings. We are a spirit, and that's, we're created in the image and the likeness of God. We have a soul, that's our mind, our will, our intellect, and our emotions, and our spirit and our soul live together in this realm on earth in this body. So the body is kind of like a spacesuit on the moon, okay? But see, if your spacesuit on the moon has a hole in it, you're in trouble. Well, if you're doing some things to your body, it's like having a hole in your spacesuit on the moon. You're in trouble. And so what God wants to do, he wants to take care of that. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about detoxing the soul. And this is our theme verse right here. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through Chapter 7, verse 1, it says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And we found out last week that that word yoked literally means this, do not have common uh, or close fellowship with unbelievers or with the world. What he's saying is this, don't get too close to the world. See, we might be in the world, but we're not of the world. So you can be in something and you don't have to be of it. It says, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Well, none, of course. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? And that's the devil. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. So this building is not the temple of God. See, for, for years, we've been telling people, oh, don't, don't do this to that building. Don't. This is just a building. I don't care if you wear a hat. What? That's rude. In some cultures it is. Well, I'm going to tell you this. If you want to say you cannot wear a hat, you have, to be, you have to be uncovered in church because that's what the Bible says, that all you women need to be wearing a covering. You can't just do half the truth. You have to understand the whole truth. Now, if you feel bad about wearing a hat in the place, then don't wear one. But don't get mad if I do. 
Because that's between me and God, not me, you and God. Amen? I'm not mad at who you are. Don't be mad at who I am. I don't even care if you're a deep sinner that hates God. I don't, I'm not mad at you for that. I feel bad for you for that. I'm going to love you anyway. No matter how you look at me, no matter how you talk about me, I'm going to look at you the right way. I'm going to look at you in love and grace and mercy. See, church, we have so messed up church over the years. we become so religious. we become so uh, hateful. We become the meanest, hateful people on the planet. And we're supposed to be that place when the NFL, when they, what are you going to do since you won the Super Bowl? I'm going to go to Thrive. You know what I mean? That's what we need to be. It shouldn't be Disneyland. It should be the church. But it's not the church because we don't act like the church. But if we start acting like the church, then we see the power of God working in the church. And the power of God can't work in the church unless we start acting like the church. Is that simple? Okay. And as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and separate, says the Lord. And that's because he wants to get a close relationship with you. He can't be close to you if you're so entangled in the world, in the world system. He can't do it. That's what, that's what this scripture's saying. I mean, I have people come up to me, well, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it this way. Well, you know what? You're trying to act like Frank Sinatra. You're trying to do it your way. But see, it doesn't happen that way. You have to do it God's way. Because if you don't do it God's way, it's not going to work anyway. He said this, touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the uh, Lord Almighty. He said, don't touch toxins, is what he said there. Things are toxic out there. Well, why, you ask? He says this, since we have these promises, dear friends. What promises? The promises of him getting close if you don't get toxic. If you get detoxic, he starts getting closer to you. If you start separating yourself, he gets closer to you. He said, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Oh, man, I'm telling you, when we separate ourselves. See, this is something we have to do. God can't separate you. You have to make a choice. Now, God can help you separate, but he can't separate you. And the way God can help you separate is when you have faith in his grace, then the power of his grace will deliver you from the toxins you're walking in. But you have to have faith in his grace because you can't have faith in your grace because your grace, which is God, which is power and ability, your power and ability is not as strong as God's power and ability. See, God's grace is God's power and ability working in you and through you to give you power and ability that you cannot do in your own power and ability. That's God's grace. That's divine favor right there. So God has power that he wants to set you above sin. But as long as you're doing it your way, you can't win because sin will be above you. And the only way you can win is if you get above sin. And you can only do that by faith and grace. Amen? Psalms 42.5 in the message uh, Bible. Now, this is not a translation. It's a paraphrase. I just like what it says. It says, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Being down in the dumps, being depressed, crying the blues, that's toxic. 
Depression is killing people. I mean, people are dying all the time, committing suicide and doing all kinds of things because they're depressed. So that's toxic. You need to have a calm in the middle of your storm. Uh, you need to have the joy of the Lord needs to be your strength. You need to have the peace that passes all understanding to guide you and lead you in all activity that you do. But there's all kinds of toxins. I mean, I can, I can put all kinds out there. I'm only going to get into four today. I'm going to give you these four. The first one right here, it's unforgiveness. <clears throat> unforgiveness is toxic. Unforgiveness can kill you. It's deadly poison to you. There are people out there, they get offended, right? They get offended at their close family members. They don't talk to them for 40 years or maybe even generations. And then you ask them, what are you mad about? I don't know. I just don't like them. <laughs> What's my saying? How stupid can you be and still breathe? I mean, come on. That is deadly poison. It will kill you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, when we connect ourselves with bitter roots, with unforgiveness, what happens is we fall. And you know, the Bible says this. The Bible says that if we get prideful, we fall, right? Unforgiveness, why are we unforgiving? Because we're prideful. They offended us. They did something to us. <gasps> Pastor Rick, you don't know what they did to me. Well, listen. What did they do to Jesus? And what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Uh, let's see, they're cussing at me. They're spitting on me. Uh, they ripped me to pieces. I've got these nails in my hands and my feet. I've got a crown of thorns in my head. He didn't say, get him, kill him, sick him. I mean, he didn't do that. Right? I'm telling you, you do that to me, and if I had that power, I'd say, get him. Why? I'm not Jesus. Pastor, would you really do that? I think so. I hope not, but I think so. You know, I, I hope to be closer to Jesus than that, but I'll just be honest with you. When things, when things happen... Sometimes I don't react the way I, I want to react. Well, actually, I do what I want to do. That's the problem. The problem is we all do. We need to change our want to. We need to change our want to to what Jesus wants to do. And when we change our want to, then all of a sudden things change in you. After unforgiveness, the next one I have there is comparison. And the problem with comparison is this, is too many people care about what other people think. And I don't care what any of you think. I really don't. All I care about is I'm giving the truth out of love. If I'm giving the truth out of love and you don't like it, that's your problem, baby, not mine. Because if I have to care about what you think, then that means it's going to watch what I say and what I do and how I preach. Oh, well, you know, they don't like that, so I better not talk about that. No, I'm sorry. You know, if I care about you, I'm going to talk about everything with you based upon the relationship we have. And the relationship that I have right here is I'm the pastor of this church, so I should be able to minister anything from the Bible. Okay? 
But if I just met you guys, any one of you guys, or you guys and for the first time, or you guys over here for the first time, and it's not my relationship with you to force my opinion upon you. See, now I can't talk about anything because I'm limited to the relationship that we have. See, that's why they call them Bible thumpers. Let's not be Bible thumpers. Let's be Jesus walkers. Because if we walk like Christ, we don't have to beat people up with the word of God. We can love them into the kingdom because the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's not how holy you are. It's how holy he is. Amen? All right. Well, one of the biggest problems that we have in our culture, we have an identity crisis. We we do. We, We care too much about what the world has to say. And one of the biggest places that you find it is you find it in in social media. Social media is covered with toxins. You know, and one of the biggest things that I found out is everywhere you look, you see people on electronic devices. Everywhere you look, no matter where you go, you just do. And when you see them on electronic devices, most of the time, they're not all the time, but most of the time they're either texting or on social media. There's sometimes when some people are actually reading their Bibles or something like that, but that's usually not most of the time. Most of the time, this is what's going on. So what they've done is they're disconnecting. You'll see families of five out in restaurants. They all five have electronic devices on like this. Waitress comes, and she comes and goes, and they're just still like this. They didn't even know she came. And they're not texting each other, so what happens is we're having relationships with our electronic devices instead of relationships with people. So it's actually destroying, even though the technology is great and can help us out do some great things, it's, it's destroying our culture because we're allowing it to identify us. Amen? <clears throat> now, another thing about cell phones, and this wasn't in my message, I just looked this up this morning. This was really cool. Is Well, it's not cool, but it's a, it's a statistic that proves the point. People are so connected with their electronic de- devices that we had to come up with a law that you can't use it while you're driving a car. We, we average 2.5 million car accidents in the United States every year. We have 1.6 million people die of car accidents every year. That's about 3,000 people a day die from car accidents every year. I'm sorry, it's 1.3 million It's 1.6 million of those accidents are done by text messaging and using cell phones. So over 60 some odd percent of fatalities of car accidents, actually it's 78% are the fatalities, it's 60 some odd percent that are are the uh, accidents total. 78% fatalities are, are done because of using a mobile device, cell phones in particular. People think, oh, man, I could, I could text and drive. You can't. I've tried it. And when I've tried it, I've noticed every once in a while, I'm doing okay, but then I hear, <laughs> y'all know what that means. You know what I'm talking about. So when I'm working in law enforcement and I see, You see this. 
And what I'm going to do is I'm going to see, number one, have you been drinking or are you under the influence of drugs? And then number two, I'm going to ask to see your cell phone. Because if I find out that you were texting and driving with those statistics, you're going to get in trouble. Why? Because people are dying. This is a serious matter. I'm telling you, electronic devices, like I said, they're great, but they have some bad consequences to them also if we use them incorrectly. James 3, 14 through 16 says, But if you brought, uh, uh, harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, it's demonic. I guess that's pretty serious. For where you have envy, what's that? I want that. Why don't they like me? I, 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 you know, that's envy. Okay? So if you have envy and self-ambition, self-ambition, I wish I was. Okay? There you find disorder in every evil practice. So comparison is toxic. It's demonic. That's how serious the Bible is about this. I don't compare myself to another minister. Why? Because God didn't create me to do that. I don't want to preach like another minister. I want to preach like the way God called me to preach. I mean, there were times I was like, man, I'd like to sweat like T.D. Jakes. I do sweat a little bit now, but I don't sweat like him, you know. I like, you know, I, there, there's things that I see in other ministers that I, I'm like, man, that's, that's really cool. But God didn't call me to do that. God didn't call me to be Joyce Myers, thank God, because I don't like pantyhose. <laughs> he called me to be rich. He called you to be you. So you need to be the best you, and don't, you don't have to compare yourself. Now, if you're looking to somebody saying, you know what, I appreciate their skills, but I want my skills to increase, not to be comparable to theirs. I want to be what you have called and created me to be, God. That's the best you can be. Amen? See, all the things that you're getting your comparisons from, most of it comes from social media. Social media is horrible. I mean, it can be used as a good thing, but it's horrible. It's destroying the minds of people. I mean, if you listen to some of the things out there, I mean, they're absolutely dumb. Last week, I think it was, myself, Leah, my wife, and Taylor, a friend, we were pulling out of, um, over by where Ryan's was closed down, and I was making a right-hand turn, and I was doing five miles per hour on 11 inches. Cars behind me. They're freaking out. I looked at them and go, I'm a turtle. You know? And I'm still going five miles per hour, and they're still freaking out. <coughs> a few seconds later, I hit the boom. I looked, I said, now I'm a rabbit. <laughs> Sounds stupid, right? Exactly, that's my point. A lot of the stuff that we're identifying ourselves with sounds stupid because God didn't create us that way. He didn't create me to be a turtle. I can walk like a turtle, but he didn't create me to be a turtle. I'm not a turtle. I am what God created me, and so are you. Amen? So, after comparison, the next one I got is anger. 
And people like to tell me, well, you know, get angry and sin not. You don't even know what that means. Because when you're angry, you're sinning. Because you're plotting how to poke them in the eye, punch them in the nose, bite their ear off. You're, you're something. You're doing, your mind's going crazy. Because that's the way we think. And that's not righteous anger. Amen? And I'll be honest with you, the news media itself is from the pit of hell. They create so much division, hate, violence, anger, propaganda. They are the worst thing out there. Next to social media. At one point in my life, I used to be proud to say that I was from Southern California. I mean, California, I lived right on the beach. I was able to surf. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. And we had some people out there that were not that bad people. They didn't think bad. I mean, sure, you had differences of opinion, but we were able to agree to disagree. The Democrats, the Republicans, the, all of them, they could agree to disagree. They can't do that anymore. They've gone crazy. I mean, right now in California, they allow, and they voted in, illegal people who are in this country illegally, not correctly, to be a part of the government. How can you be a part of a government of a country that you don't belong to? Is any other country going to allow us to be a part of their government? No, because we don't belong to the country. And that saddens my heart. I'm telling you, my, a lot of my family, they're moving out of California because they've gone crazy. But I'll tell you, when I was growing up, it was probably one of the greatest places to live. I had so much fun there. You could leave, you could leave your doors unlocked. You, people say, oh, you can't leave your doors unlocked in California. I did right on the beach. It was not a big deal. But, man, today it's nuts. I mean, there's just so much hate, and it's, it's, it's all over the place. People are angry about everything. They're angry about their jobs, about the traffic. They're angry about the ticket that they got because they broke the law. They're angry about their marriages. They're angry about their kids. They're angry about the government. They're angry about the economy when it's doing better now than it has since I can remember. It's crazy. They're just angry. They're angry about everything. We live in an angry society. James 4, 1 and 2, it says this. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Point at your neighbor. Because you know you don't want to point at yourself, right? <laughs> it says, don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? So you just said all that anger that's going on within, that comes from you. So don't, as a matter of fact, do you realize that every fight you were in, you were there every time? You are the only consistent person in every fight you've been in. So where does the anger come from? Anyway. You, she made, yeah. It, Lord, it was that woman you gave me. You desire but do not have, you, uh, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. So your anger comes from within you, and because you got all this anger, you can't get the stuff that you want, so God tells us what the problem is. He says, you, don't, you do not have because you do not ask God. So in other words, if you want the things that you want, get God involved in your situation. 
Because if God's involved in your situation, you won't be fighting. You won't be quarreling because God's not fighting anybody. Oh, he's fighting the devil. No, no, no. He, he beat the devil. <laughs> he fought the devil 2,000 years ago. And the devil lost. And, and now, because of all that, when you read Ephesians chapter 1, and, and Jesus is all these things, he took everything and he put it underneath the feet of not just Jesus, underneath the feet of the church. So the devil was under our feet. He has no power over us. The only power the devil has is by you believing the lie and falling into the ungodliness of the of, of lifestyle, and then you reap what you sow. The devil lost. Liar, liar, his pants are going to be on fire. Not mine. After anger, what do we have? We have worry. Worry. Worry is assuming a responsibility that God never intended you to take on. That's what worry is. See, the thing of it is, is everyone worries from time to time. It's not about worry in and of itself. It's about what you do with the worry. If you take the worry and dwell upon the worry, it creates doubt. It creates fear. So what happens is when, some, when you doubt something, when you're in fear about something, what does it do? It takes away your faith. So what worry does is worry attacks your faith. And the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope, that doesn't mean, oh, I wish I can, I wish I can. That word hope in the Greek means confident expectation of the good. So it takes away your confident expectation of good to happen in the situation that you're in when you start worrying, worry is toxic to your soul. Matthew 6, 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now let me say this. If all you have is this life, I understand why you're worrying. But even, even though you worry, it's not going to do you any good. But since I have more than this life, since I'm not from this world, since I'm from a different kingdom, I have an eternal purpose in life, I have another citizenship, I'm an ambassador here, I don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. There's nothing... There's no thing, nothing, there's no thing you have to worry about. When the worry comes and it's going to come, you need to learn how to release it and refocus on the word. When you learn how to re release it and refocus on the word, you start standing on the word of God. Now you're standing on the rock. You're standing on solid ground. And guess what? Worry goes away. Didn't he say, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you? Isn't that, are those his words? If those are his words, you've got nothing to worry about. Because my God is bigger than their God. You, you know what I'm saying? He's bigger. Anybody got problems? Raise your hand. 
Woo, look at all those hands. All right. Everybody, let's all say this together. My God, My God is, bigger is bigger than all, all the problems, problems I face. I face. Amen. Amen. Now we can give that up for God. He is. He's bigger than any problem, any fear, any mountain that's coming across your path. He is bigger than. He's a good God. So if we're going to take four things out, we've got to put four things back in. Because remember, when something comes out, it's traveling around, and it's going to find seven buddies, and he's coming back with a vengeance. Because it's going to be seven times worse than it was before. So you got to replace it with something. So we're going to do what's called a soul detox. The first one is this. Right relationships. See, God's solution to detoxing your soul is to have people around you who love you, have your best interests at heart, and who are spiritually wise. That's why we do connect groups. We don't do connect groups so we can do another Bible study. That's not what they're about. If you think that, oh, well, you know, I just don't want to do a Bible study, that's not what it's about. Matter of fact, make up a connect group. Underwater basket weaving. <laughs> See how long you can stay underwater? I don't care. But the whole thing is to get around spiritual people and start creating godly relationships so when problems come your way, you have somebody to talk to, somebody to pray with. Now, do I want people to grow in the Word? Sure. But I guarantee you, if you hang out with me long enough, you'll grow. I'm still growing. When I stop growing, you guys better leave because that's all you're ever going to get. You're going to be stagnant. You have to keep growing in God all the time. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. So he's not saying, don't just hang out with anybody. Hang out with people who are spiritually wise. People that know more than you do. And, and put them to the test. Are they always trying to be right? I don't want to hang out with anybody who's always trying to be right. Or are they always trying to know the truth? I want to be around people who want to know the truth. I've said this for years. And I know some people get mad when I say it, but I don't care because I, w I saw the whole trial from beginning to end on television. O.J. Simpson was right. He did not kill his wife. But the truth was the evidence shows he did. I want to know the truth. I don't care about being right or wrong. Being, I can go right to hell, and I'll go truthfully to heaven. So that's what you want to do. You want to check out their character. You want to look at them. When they're talking to people, are they talking to them out of love? Do they talk to them at their level, or do they talk to them above? Someone who's wise will talk to you at whatever level you're at. And they'll be there. I, I know a friend of mine, he's, <clears throat> he's got six doc doctorate degrees. Uh, 
five of them, I believe, oh, no, no, he's got four doctor's degrees. Three of them were in ministry. One of them was in physics. And this guy talked to you with these $25 words. And I don't even think he understood them himself. I had to look up some of these words because I didn't get it. And I'm not saying I'm dumb. It's just he couldn't talk to I couldn't relate to him. So you need to talk to someone who can relate to you. Amen? So talk to the right person. If not, the Bible says you're going to get hurt, so you're going to be in trouble. The next thing you need to put in yourself is a God-defined identity. Since God created you, don't you think it's only right or the, the thing to do that allow him to define who you are? Well, let's think of it this way. Ford Motor Company has a car called a Mustang. I like the car. I think it's a great car. I'm not going to try to call it anything else. It's a Mustang. That's what they called it. So if you see it in a pond someplace on a sandbar in the middle of the pond, it's not a deserted island even though there's nobody in it and it's in the middle of the pond. It's still a Ford Mustang. Well, no matter what people say about you, no matter what the social media, no matter what all this stuff says about you, you are who God created you to be. So all this identity stuff, it's unbiblical, it's ungodly, it's not true. And, and, I, and that's not saying I'm not a hater. If you want to identify yourself as a jaguar, go ahead. If you're a woman identifying yourself as a man or man as a woman, you, I'm not, I don't hate you. But people think I'm a hater because I disagree with them. You know, if, if, we, if we took that and said, if people disagree with me, they're just haters, none of us would be married. Y'all know what I'm talking about if you're married. There's a lot of things we don't agree upon. <coughs> as a matter of fact, another thing I say all the time <coughs> is if you agree with somebody on everything, marry them, and then find out how much you don't agree. So, God has an, a defined identity for each and every one of us. Galatians 6.4 in the Message Bible says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. He said, make it a goal to find out who you are. Make it a goal to do what God has called you to do. Find your identity and then do it. That's what we need to do. We need to find out who we are and then do what God says for us to do. And then be the best you God has created you to be. The next one, crucified life. Every day, identify some things in your life that you don't like. Like say maybe somebody cut you off in a car, and you want to give them the bird. Um, identify that and say, Father, thank you that today, I crucify road rage in my life. 
Father, I pray that you fill me with wisdom to pray for that person that cuts me off. Because I don't know why they cut me off. They could be going to the hospital, whatever. I don't know why. And when you start doing that, you'll start crucifying some things. You'll be laying some things down. But when you lay some things down, you have to pick things up. See, I crucified the road rage, and I asked God to give me the wisdom to pray for them and what to pray. Take something out, put something in. And that's how it works. Amen? Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Now, he didn't commit suicide. Don't. He said, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul's saying, I'm letting all the fleshly things out. I'm putting all the spiritual things in like love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness. So I'm laying all that stuff down and I'm putting in all the good things. And here's the last thing to put in, number four. Eternal perspective. Now, this is a great one. It's a good one. See, not long ago, my mom was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And I was, man, going crazy. T12 in her spine crushed, and they had to do spinal surgery, and uh, they had to treat her for cancer. And so what I did is I flew out there, and I took care of her for a few weeks. But as I, was, as I was down there, when I first got there, I mean, I was worrying. I was, I, was, I was tripping. But the more her and I started talking, she started talking about faith and the word and stuff. And, and she wasn't really going to church or any, anything like that. She started really encouraging me, just to be honest with you. She got me fired up. And so I started encouraging her, and she started going to church. I baptized her then. I mean, it was awesome. I could, I mean, I baptized my own mother. I mean, I understand baptizing my children, but my own mother? It was amazing. She goes to small groups. She's connected in her church. She, she's just, she, she reads devotionals every day. Eternal perspective. See, when you have a perspective of eternity and the eternal perspective your perspective on everything else, worry, doubt, unbelief, it all changes. And that's the greatest thing right there is to have that eternal perspective because when you have that, it will turn your sorrows into joy, it will turn your pain into laughter, it will turn your storm into peace. Because in the middle of your storm, you should have peace. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says this, since then, you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above. Mm. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, I wrote this right here this morning, this part of it, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this because I just thought it was so good. When you have your mind set on things above, you're not concerned about the things around you because your mind is above. The solution is above the situation, so... Your mind is above the problem. That's how you have peace in your heart. When you set your mind on eternal things, set your mind on things above, it's above the problem. It's above whatever's going on. You set your mind on the goal, on the prize. You set your mind on Christ Jesus. 
and all the peace of God just all of a sudden comes upon you. All of a sudden, it doesn't look as bad because you're not looking at anything. You're looking at something different. You know, 75% of pain is what you're focused on. 25% is the actual pain. That's why in ambulances and that's why doctors and stuff, what they do is they try to ask you questions that have nothing to do with your pain. They try to ask you questions. What are you interested in? Do you like sports? You like this? You know, they, 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 that's why they do that. Is they're trying to refocus your mind. So you start setting your mind on things above. And in the natural, if we could, if we could do it in the natural 75%, you think God can't handle that extra 25%? loves you. He paid the ultimate price for you. He said so he can give you life. And that word life is zoe in the Greek. And that word zoe is the same life that God has in himself. He came to give you that life and that life more abundantly. If you get a hold of that and you focus your mind on that, my mind is focused on the abundant life. Mm. My mind is not focused on being in Death Valley because I'm walking out of Death Valley. I'm walking right through it. My mind is face above. And that's what it's about. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Father, this morning, if there's anybody here under the sound of my watching online and they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior or they say listen Pastor Rick I want to rededicate my life recommit my life to him today because I've just not been walking right if that's you on any one of those occasions let me see your hand put him down I was 74 God. That's either seven people who said, Jesus, come into my life for the first time, or, or, or Jesus, listen, I'm reconnecting with you. We're going to pray a prayer, but the prayer doesn't save you. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll be saved. That's what saves you. So a prayer doesn't save you. A hand going up doesn't save you. Uh, an all, coming up to the altar doesn't save you. When your heart comes to the altar, when you confess him, that's what saves you. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, today I receive Jesus and the price that he paid. I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. Father, I can't wait until he returns and we see each other face to face. Now, if you prayed that prayer, even if you didn't raise your hand, raising your hand just identified with me. You're saying, you're my boy, you're my girl, right? Raising your heart and speaking it out of your mouth is identifying with him. You're his boy, you're his girl, you're his son, you're his daughter. Amen? That last line, you're wondering, what do I put on there? 
going to tell you what I put. I put, I will set my mind on things above. But put whatever you want. That's your choice. Because it's your will, it's not my will. It's your will. If I can have some ushers, come on up. You know, and I'm really excited about my mom. She's coming here on the 12th of this month, and she's staying till the 25th. And she's looking at homes. So what's really, really, really cool about that is if she does that, this will be her church. I will be her pastor. 